Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right, how's it going, everybody? Good, good. Awesome. All right, let me just load my Bible up real quick. Wouldn't have made any sense 15 years ago, but now you're like, yeah, sure, that's what you should do. <laughs> All right. How's everyone doing? Good, 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 good. Yeah, I, I was in uh, Texas at a, at a church in the Houston area last week, and it was just so much fun. There was a bunch of my, my mom came with me, Dara came with me, uh, Zaina, and a couple other of our, our students, and it was just such a really, really great time, because it, it, felt, it felt like a Bethel, like not just a me traveling and speaking trip, but like a Bethel Atlanta trip. It was this church that was really hungry just to see a prophetic culture in there in their church and so they had invited us out to kind of train them in that and Zaina got to train them some on prophetic uh, prophetic worship and so it was just a really really fun time Ashley was there when Kia it was yeah it was super super fun well t- today I felt like um I felt like uh, less so than a, than a message I felt like the Lord really had just an impartation today and so I just want to take a little bit of time to draw a framework for what I feel like God wants to release today. And after that, we're just going to pray into that. Does that sound okay? Perfect, because that's the only plan that I have. Um, so to, I feel like the thing that the Lord wanted to release today was, the, was an impartation of, of eyes to see and ears to hear. Awesome. <laughs> we, got, we got two signed up. For the rest of you, let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, and, and one of my favorite pictures of, of this is, I've found, is, uh, is uh, framed in this, this uh, little historical story. I've shared it once before here a couple years ago, so if, this, if you still remember it, then I apologize. But, uh, so there's this one guy that I always found really fascinating. His name was uh, Percy Fawcett. Anyone ever heard of Percy Fawcett before? Perfect. Some of you were here when I talked about him last. That's fine. Um, <laughs> You guys can laugh, even if it's a bad joke. It's okay. Good, thank you. Makes me feel a little bit better. Um, the uh, Percy Fawcett was this classic uh, explorer guy in the in the early 1900s. He he uh, was really well known for his endurance. Like he'd just get out there on the trail and he would just go and go and go. Wouldn't get sick, you know. Just this t- tough as nails, you know, guy who would go and he'd explore all these really difficult to explore places and. Uh, near, near the uh, latter part of his career, he really got focused on the Amazon, the, the Amazon in South America, the area just around the Amazon River. Really thick jungle, really dangerous to explore. You know, this is before they had satellites and all that stuff. So he's just out there hiking through the jungle with a couple of, couple of fellas, you know, just, just going through thick, thick, thick jungle. And um, he was part of a small group of people that believed that there was a, a lost civilization, a civilization that had yet to be discovered. You know, there had been these other civilizations that had been discovered in, in Africa, in uh, different parts of the world where like, oh, we found these big ruins and these stone, uh, you know, edifices that these people had built up. And uh, they thought there, everyone believed uh, that there was this, or the, these people anyway, believed that there was a lost civilization that was somewhere in the Amazon. Everyone argued about this because some people would say, like, oh, you can't really sustain life in a thick jungle like that. The competition for all the food is way too high because there's all these creatures. It's just impossible. 
But in his travels down there, he felt he was seeing little pieces of evidence that somewhere out there. So over and over and over, he'd do these journeys out there. And there's a, there's a great book called The Lost City of Z that kind of goes into this if you're as much of a history nerd as I am. Uh, if you're not a history nerd, don't worry, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so he, he would go, and there would, it was this really difficult area to explore, dangerous river, um, sometimes helpful, sometimes hostile native tribes that were there. Um, lots of disease, sickness, things like that. It's a little bit of a rough read as far if you don't like, a, if, if medical things freak you out, but just the dealing with all this hardship. And so he went journey after journey, just pushing, trying to find, believing this city is here somewhere. He'd find these little clues. He'd find these little pieces of evidence. Until finally, he, you know, his funding started to run out. People started losing faith. Like, I don't think there's anything out there, you know. And so he, he pretty much put all his chips on the table, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my personal finances. I'm really going to invest. My, my son is going to come with me for the first time. And we are, we are not coming back until we find this lost civilization. And so he went out this, this one last time and was never seen again. <laughs> Uh, to this day, no one's found exactly what happened to him, haven't found, uh, you know, obviously this was, you know, uh, many, many years ago at this point, so he's, he's probably not alive anymore. Um, and no one knows what happened to him. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Be patient, be patient. Matthew 13, this is a lovely, lovely chapter. I love Jesus' parables. Uh, I love the way that Jesus teaches people. I love the way that he unpacks the kingdom piece by piece with these these bite-sized, understandable stories. Um, I'm going to read a a decent little track here, so um, buckle up if you're sensitive to that. But Matthew 13 and we're going to start with verse 3. So this is, this is uh, really the beginning of a series of parables that Jesus is, is breaking down and teaching. So Matthew 13, verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, behold, look. see." And when he's saying behold, that's like picture this in your mind. See this happening. See this taking place. The sower, a person with seeds, the person whose job would be to like have a bag of seeds that they'd be walking through this land, this either prepared land to throw out this seed. So he's got the bag on his hip. He's walking through. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on the good soil and yielded crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. I don't know why he went, like, down. He should have gone up. That would be more dramatic. But I'm, just, I'm just saying. Probably not a good idea to critique Jesus' preaching style, but, you know. Hopefully that's not the first thing he confronts me. I want to get to heaven. Um <laughs> The one who has ears, let him hear. First, he tells them to look. Behold, picture this in your mind. But then he says, the one who has an ear, let him hear. A few minutes go by, chapter 10. And the disciples came up and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? 
And honestly, this used to confuse me. His, his what he what he goes into here used to feel weird to me. I didn't I didn't quite understand it for a long time. And Jesus answered, this is verse 11, Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will, will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand, and shall... And you shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and returned, and I, <clears throat> and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And so I, I don't necessarily think this is the answer, but as I've looked at this scripture more and more over the years, the thought that came to me, at least, like I, I would get a little bit bothered by this, because the idea of like, oh, these people aren't meant to hear, you know, or, or they're not able to perceive, and so I'm just talking to them in these mysteries, um, in these parables. And I thought, what, what's the qualifier? What's, what's the difference? And obviously he says, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, how do you get that? How do you, how do you achieve that? And I don't, again, I don't think there's just one answer, but as I was reading through this scripture a couple, a couple of weeks ago, it suddenly occurred to me, he gave this answer to the disciples who came up and asked him a question about what he was doing. And after that, he does something he doesn't do very frequently. He explains the parable. He breaks it down in detail to them. He does it just a couple times. In fact, these, this section here and the one later with the uh, weeds among wheat are some of the only times that Jesus actually explains a parable in detail. So this is verse 18. Listen then to the parable of the sower. And I, Just little things. First, he's telling the story. He says, behold, see. See this in your mind. Now, he's, now the disciples have come and asked him a question. And then he says, Listen. And he just a moment ago said, eyes to see, ears to hear. He's activating both parts. Listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one sown with seeds beside the road. The one sown with seed on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It has no firm root in itself but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately he falls away. And then the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown with seed on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30 times as much. Now, maybe you've heard it this way, but a lot of times when I used to hear this, this scripture taught, 
it was exclu- it was mostly uh, taught in the context of salvation that someone hears a salvation message and they receive it or don't receive it or they receive it with joy and get really fired up and then and then burn out and i i think that's a fair interpretation of this scripture but i think it's actually bigger than that i think it actually is something deeper than that because what he said is this is the kingdom And obviously salvation is us stepping into our inheritance of the kingdom. It's being adopted into the family of Christ. It's 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 being covered by Jesus' blood. It's being uh, adopted into this royal priesthood. And so certainly salvation is is the entrance. And I think this story absolutely applies in that context. But I believe it is also the perpetuation of his kingdom. Because this principle of sowing, it would have been a normal yearly routine. Like every year you plant, every year you would, you would sow, every year you would tend to these areas. Every year the soil would need to be tended to, would need to be adjusted, would need to have rocks removed, would need to have um, roots removed, thorns removed. It, this was an ongoing thing. This wasn't a singular thing. And our relationship with the kingdom is like that. It is not a singular moment. It is seeds that are thrown again and again and again that take root or don't. And if instead of just thinking, and this is, this is me you know, bringing a little bit extra interpretation, so I'm showing you that. Um, but if we think not only of this, these different kinds of soils, different people, but as different parts of our lives... There may be parts of our lives where it's really easy to receive the kingdom, the understanding of the kingdom. There may be other parts where there's other thinking that's already there that are a little bit harder, that we're not absorbent to this piece of God's kingdom. Maybe it's really easy for me to hear a, a, a grace-oriented message that's about how loving God is, how much he accepts us, how much he, he, he loves us no matter what. He, he would love you just as much if you spend the rest of your day sitting on the couch, you know, watching Law & Order reruns for the rest of your life. <laughs> but maybe the p- other part where actually he has a destiny. He's called us to action. He's called us to respond. That, that grace is not just to cover the issues in our life, but actually to empower us to be transformed, to act differently, to respond differently, to think differently. And if our heart is soft to one and hard to the other, we may not be receiving the full fruit of the kingdom in our life. Does that make sense? And that, you know, that's kind of extreme area. We pick something even more subtle. Like, uh, maybe it's easy for me to have the faith of like, oh, I feel, I feel comfortable with my relationship with God with regard to tithing. That I, I know uh, tithing, that's a, uh, you know, I feel comfortable with that being 10%. And I'm just do that and that, that feels great. But then inviting the Holy Spirit into talking about how I manage my finances, about how I run my business, about how I pay my employees, about how I do or don't ask for a raise from my boss or the way that I do that. Maybe we don't necessarily know how to receive the seeds of the kingdom in that particular area of our life. Does that, does that make sense? And, you know, th- these kinds of messages can come with a certain light level of fear or scariness because it's like, you know, dead plants and seeds getting taken away by birds and all this, all this stuff. And, it can, and, and, again, oftentimes we hear this in the context of salvation, so it's this heaven or hell uh, eternal perspective. But again, once we step into the kingdom, I believe the perspective remains just as eternal. And I think 
us being able to have eyes that see and ears that hear be continuously be soft soil may determine a lot of how much heaven shows up on earth through us. Does that make sense? So Percy Fawcett went into the Amazon. Give you a little pause there for a minute. Convinced that there was this ancient civilization that'd be hanging out there. Well, it's been a little time since then. Now we have satellites and infrared scanners and all this cool stuff that's way better than walking around through the jungle uh, and getting bit by bugs the size of helicopters and everything. But yeah, the book's not for the faint of heart if you don't like worms and skin and stuff. But anyway, uh, I apologize a little. <laughs> um, the, um, and it turns out that there was an ancient civilization that was in the Amazon. In fact, at the, at the equivalent time when this, this uh, great nation uh, existed, it was bigger than Paris and London combined at the equivalent time. It was the biggest, most thriving civilization on the earth at that, at that time, this huge civilization in the, the Amazon region. It was massive. They had uh, amazing technology. But one thing that they didn't do, because their environment was so much different than some of the uh, great uh, uh, kingdoms, environments, and other places, is they didn't use very much stone in their construction. They're in this thick jungle, so they would build these massive tree uh, huts and uh, build these huge villages and really towns and cities all out of wood. And they really liked um, modifying the earth and shaping the earth to run water certain ways, but they did it in this like soft, rounded way, whereas like the Romans did it with aqueducts and these big stone things. They would just shape the earth and move uh, the, these kind of rolling hill pieces of ground to do all their farming and stuff. There's records in some of Percy Fawcett's journals of addressing these very rolling hills things, saying, wow, this is a little bit weird piece of territory here. Wow, this is this weird little cleared out area that's just like, oh, I guess there's a weird open field here in the middle of that, in the middle of the jungle. Interesting. Percy Fawcett had a picture of what a great civilization would look like. Even though he believed that there was a civilization there, he thought a great civilization uses stone to build long-lasting buildings. And this picture of what an ancient kingdom would look like made him miss the kingdom that he was looking for. In fact, we're, they're fairly certain after, you know, it's thick jungle, so it's hard to get it perfect, but they're fairly certain that he walked through the place that this kingdom was numerous times in many of his journeys. But instead, he gave his life looking for something that he didn't have the eyes to see. And even though it's a, 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 a not a very uplifting story, I think it's a, an excellent picture of the, the necessity of being humble in our approach to seeking God's kingdom. Because eyes to see and ears to hear come from him. It's not just a character quality. It's not just something I can clench my teeth and, and say that I have. It is something that is, that is released by God and his mercy and his grace. 
The only difference that I can see in him addressing the people who had eyes to see and ears to hear is that they came up to him and let him disciple them, let him talk them through what he meant. Does that make sense? And so when, when I'm, what I feel that God wants to release today is that he wants to activate our eyes to see. And, you know, when I say eyes to see and ear to hear, it can come from this mindset of, you know, there's, oh, there's all these voices today and everyone's saying everything in 50 different directions and I don't know what to believe and all that kind of stuff. And we got to discern our way through all this. Sure. But bigger than that and more important than that and something that's equally important whether everything is going great or everything is really, really hard is I need eyes to see and ears to hear what God's kingdom looks like where I'm at right now. Does that make sense? That's just as important and in some ways sometimes more important when things are going great because when things are going great sometimes it can be harder to be looking for it, to be seeing it. And so I just want to take a moment here together to, to humble ourselves in God's presence, to, to allow him to touch our eyes, to allow him to touch our ears, to just activate those, those eyes and ears. And so I just want you to, where you're at right now, just, just close your eyes. And uh, for those of you who are online as well, just, just, just close your eyes and sit, sit down right where you are. I saw a picture during worship today of Jesus, 15 feet tall, just walking through the, the crowd here and he had a little leather pouch on his hip and it was full of seeds and he was just reaching in to that bag and he was casting seeds out over us and when I looked at us I saw that all of us had good soil every single person here but I also saw that all of us had rocky places, <laughs> that all of us had hard places that were packed down, that all of us had thorny places where the worries and anxieties of this world were set to, to choke out the kingdom that wanted to be released, that wanted to thrive and grow in our lives. I saw that on everyone, including myself. I want to be clear, too. Humility, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It isn't beating yourself up. It isn't um, becoming solely focused on your deficiency. It's, it's recognizing that areas of deficiency, areas of maturity, areas of, of brilliance, and areas of stupidity can all exist in one place. That, that we're not just one or the other, we're not just brilliant and smart or, or dumb, or we're not just uh, super mature or super immature, that we're actually having a little bit of all that in different areas. And that's why, one of the many reasons why we need a father. We need a father to take care of us, to guide us, to teach us. We need a, a, a brother. We need a family. We need to be led in how to tend to our soil so that we can have a thriving garden of the kingdom growing in our lives, growing in every area of our lives. 
So I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to just listen to the voice of the Lord because he's going to begin speaking to your heart. I want you to ask him some questions. Maybe it's a message that you heard. Maybe it was a moment in worship. Maybe it was a prophetic word that someone gave. But we can feel, we know it. We can feel when those seeds land on some hard soil. And we can justify. I can, you know, I remember when I was a first-year student at the School of Ministry in, in Reading, some of the guest speakers that came, I didn't like very much. You know, I liked them as people because you're supposed to when you're a Christian. But I, I, <laughs> I was... Uh, uh, within the bounds of, of what I felt was Christian kindness, I, I didn't enjoy their style or s- some of their message felt off to me. And while that may be true, and, I, uh, and while they're, they're, that person may have been uh, not perfect, and while that person may have had rocky places or hard places or thorny places inside themselves, I slowly felt the Lord correcting me to instead receive the peace of the kingdom that that person was called to release. And so if there is a, a message delivered in a way or, or by a person that you have a hard time receiving from, just ask the Lord some questions about that. Ask the Lord some questions about what he wants you to do with that. There's also, as we all know, there's, there's places where we are, we are completely ignorant of our, of our deficiency. We're completely ignorant of, of the hardness, of, the, of the, the rockiness, of the thorniness, of where we just simply don't, don't know that we have a place that is not open to God's kingdom. I guarantee if we continue to engage in a discipling conversation with the Lord, if we continue to engage in a community of people who are doing the same, you will find those places. I have so many people come to me, some of you, so don't, uh, I'm not talking about any specific one of you, I'm just talking about all of you. Um, (laughs) They come up to me and say, you know, Blake, I know you can see in the spirit. I want you to see if there's anything bad on me. Trust me, I can take it. Just tell me, just tell me all the bad things, you know, and just boom, list it out. Bop, 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 bop. But it comes from a great heart. It comes from a heart of, I want to take care of those things. I want to dig those rocks out. I want to soften up that ground. You know, I want to, I, I, I want to get free of this stuff. And it comes out of a, a mistake that we make that knowing what's wrong with you is going to fix you. which would totally work if it was by your strength and your power and your ability. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Jesus, the great discipler, will walk you through step by step. He has a pathway. He has a plan. He has a series of teachable moments where he is going to walk up and speak to you, where he's going to have that person come into your life, where he's going to have this situation come up at work, where he's going to disciple you in your day-to-day life, walking you through, hey, here's that spot. And when he does it, 
it's the easiest opportunity to say yes to change, to say yes to transformation, to say yes to making that adjustment. It honestly requires very little clenching of teeth or, or flexing of character. It, it has to, it, it, it's because it's led by grace. It's led by the, the heavenly empowerment to do what your father says to do. <laughs> and so I, but I wanna engage in that conversation lean in in our minds and our hearts as he lays those seeds down, but we can feel those seeds land on a hard place. If you would just just, uh, stand up where you're at, if that's okay. Last last thing I want to do in just just praying for a release of this, this impartation is... Um, I want you to uh, be led by Jesus in how to receive it. You know, part of um, loosening up the soil in our heart is, is I believe, taking personal responsibility for our, our, our discipling relationship with Jesus. Now, some of what, one picture of this, one little exercise that, that I like to do that, that helps me with, with doing this, because it's, it's one of those things that's uh, a small area of, of obedience that I feel like opens you up to kind of wider, wider areas, is anytime I'm doing anything that I know is kingdom-oriented, whether that's, that's uh, receiving a message from someone who's preaching, whether that's uh, worship, prayer, just anything that I, that I know, we can get into the whole conversation where everything is kingdom-oriented, that's, that's a separate conversation, but, but as an exercise to work this muscle on, on purpose, when I am in the middle of those things, I am going to ask the Lord, and I don't remember it every time, but when I do, I'm always glad that I did. Lord, how do I partner with what you're doing in me and the people around me right now? Because this is not a this is not a a passive relationship. You know, it's I'm not up here the person with the microphone because I'm some awesome, impressive, super holy, you know, guy I'm level 32 holiness and, you know, most of you are working on like 16 or 17, you know. I that's not how it works. It's we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what you do in a sermon is just as important as what I do in a sermon. I know that, 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 sound, that can sound strange. That can sound like hyperbole. It's the truth. I can feel it when I'm up here as someone who's, who's leading something. What you do in worship matters just as much as the person who's up here with a guitar or a microphone or a drum kit. It's... It, and, I, and again, any of you, our worship leaders know that's 100% true because they feel it. The person next to you feels it. When we pray, when we are declaring something, the way that we decide to pull on heaven together makes a difference for the people around us. It matters because that is the position that God has adopted us into. He has adopted us in to being co-heirs with Christ. That is a ridiculous statement that if it wasn't in the Bible would sound like heresy. That sounds like heresy. The, the level of trust, the level of empowerment, the level, uh, this is getting into another subject for a second, but when you see the word ambassador in the Bible, when the, when the, when the Bible calls us uh, ambassadors of the kingdom, a, a more accurate word would be plenipotentiary, which is someone, uh, yeah, that's why they didn't use that one. <laughs> um, but a plenipotentiary is not just an ambassador. An ambassador goes and represents a kingdom or a country. A plenipotentiary speaks with the full power and authority of the king that sent them. 
They have actually been empowered to make decisions, to, to make decrees, and to be as if the king himself was in the room. Responsibility. <laughs> and so I'm going to ask you to be kings and queens here for a second. I'm just going to pray for a little bit, but I want you to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, to receive this for yourself and to receive it for the people around you, to, to invite an atmosphere of receiving an impartation. Because impartation is... Uh, there's a there's a aspect of, of laying on of hands of someone who has a victory in an area, releasing those victories. There's an impartation that comes there, but all of it ultimately comes from heaven. And so we're just going to pull on, pull on heaven right now where we're at. So if the Lord tells you to pray something out loud, go for it. I'm just going to keep going. If the Lord tells you to lay your hand on someone next to him, maybe get some eye contact to make sure they're okay with that, and then go ahead. Um, if the Lord tells you to pray in tongues, to walk around, whatever it is, just take just a couple minutes here of just... Ask, Lord, how, how do I participate with what you want to do in my life and the lives of the people around me right now? So, Lord, we just invite you to come touch our hearts, to touch our soil, to get your hands into our soil and pull out rocks, to, pull, to uproot thorns, to, to, to soften soil that has grown hard. We, we give you permission, Father, to dig deep, to, to dig deep with your hands and loosen the soil, make it soft, make it whole, make it ready to receive the seeds that you're throwing on us right now, Lord. We just release grace to change, grace to grow, eyes to see, ears to hear. We release the, 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 the prophetic truth that you have declared over us, that your sheep hear your voice. We recognize that hearing God's voice is fundamental to our design, fundamental to our heavenly design. We are designed to see you. We are designed to hear you. We are designed to know you. And I just, I, just, um, I just break off any of the beat down that the enemy has thrown at us, the lies that he's thrown at us to, to diminish our personal value, our personal, to, to, to diminish the way that we see our personal responsibility, our personal empowerment to be a plenipotentiary, a, a, a person who is acting on behalf of the king with his authority, with his permission. I just release the, the, the weighty but appropriately weighted responsibility that the Lord has given us with that. Yes, Lord, we just receive your presence. We receive your presence where we're at right now, Lord. We receive your heart right now. We receive, we receive your transformative grace right now. Those of you who are at home, declare it over your home right now. Declare it over your mind right now. Call yourself into a higher way of thinking. I want to throw out another challenge out there for, for some of you. Some of you, uh, some of you have never met Jesus, and some of you have not yet chosen to let yourself be discipled by Jesus, to let Jesus be the king of your life, to let Jesus, to, to, to take that free will that God has given you, to take that gift of being able to choose whatever you want, to, to the, that, that gift that he gave in the garden of putting two trees in there, and giving people the freedom to choose one or to choose the other, even though he revealed his will for what he would want them to choose, that we have not chosen to give our will to him, to submit our heart to him, to trust him with that. And I, I just, if that's something that is uh, just 
popping up in your heart right now. I just want to invite you to make a choice to allow Jesus to disciple you, to lead you, to, to choose to give your will to him if you want to. We're just going to do this for one or two minutes more, but now I want you to start praying for the person who's next to you. I want you to pray out loud. I want you to put something on your lips for releasing, activating the soil in the person next to you. I want you to pray like you wish someone would pray for you. Release eyes to see and ears to hear. Release eyes to see and ears to hear. We invite you, Father, to tend our soil. We also take responsibility for tending our soil, for paying attention to how the seeds of the kingdom land in our life, land in our heart. I just want to lean, lean a little bit more on this, that one thing of I, I, many of you who probably grew up in church grew up with a, um, <laughs> this is an extreme metaphor, but a, a, a someone, the way that people invited you to receive Jesus or to be discipled Jesus was with, with the gun of hell pointed at your head while, while they're inviting you to do that. And I just, um, I feel like there's a grace that the Lord is releasing to bring some healing to that experience where, where stepping into God's kingdom was under the, th- felt like it was under duress or under the, the, the threat of violence that, um, that, that, that there is a, there is a Lord, there is a Jesus who is walking up to you out of love, out of connection, out of relationship, out of adoration, out of seeing you for who you are and inviting you as an individual, as, as, a, as a person that he has fallen in love with to come and follow him, to come and be in relationship with him, to come and live a life with him, not as a, not as a threat, not as a... Um, not as, not as something that would be done under duress, but as an invitation into a beautiful life, as an invitation into a whole life. So I just release a washing that, that washes away this, this uh, imbalanced picture of the, of the invitation of Christ. All right, I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up front, if you, if you would. So all of our prayer servants, if you would come up to the front and... Uh, line up yonder. Um, I want to, I want to encourage a couple people to come up after, after we close the service here that um, if, um, if you felt that, that invitation, if you felt that, that jolt to uh, that recognition of, I I have not, 
stepped into this 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 discipling relationship. This this um, I have not allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to direct my life. I have not chosen Him as my Rabbi, my teacher, to follow Him. I'd love for you to come up and just receive some prayer from these folks here, and just kind of partner with 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 them in that. If you've never met Jesus before, also definitely come come up. But the other the other part too is. And I just want you to take a moment. This is this is an exercise of of you taking responsibility for your soil. Is if in the middle of this conversation, of this talk, or this prayer time, you could feel seeds pinging off of parts of yourself. You could feel some of those hard places. You could feel some of those rocky places where a thing of the kingdom gets planted. You get excited about it, but then it just doesn't ever fruit. It doesn't ever, it doesn't become incorporated into your part of your life. Or it's something that you have to strive for and work for and, and dig for rather than something that you get to eat the fruit of that, that, that is, that is bringing joy. If you, if you felt that spot come up, just come up here for just a moment and partner with someone and just praying into that area. It doesn't need to be a, a 45 minute inner healing session necessarily. It's just a moment of partnering with someone else saying, ah, just pray with me in this area, in this, in this spot, in this little area of my soil. Um, Lastly, if anyone would like to just receive healing today, if there is a if there is pain in in your body, I um I particularly just felt a, a word of knowledge for for someone who um gosh I think it's like right around this zone here um just some like tightness and like it was kind of light but it was just like this thing of like I just keep feeling this all the time and every time I like sit down and I'm not thinking about something else all of a sudden I feel this weird feeling in here that's kind of kind of deep and maybe it's caused a little bit of concern like oh, I hope that's not something serious um if that's you uh, as soon as we close here just come on up and receive prayer um and the last one was um uh consistent sinus headaches on the left side in particular if you get consistent like sinus or migraine headaches on the kind of left side of your head would love to pray for you for for that but um before we wrap up into that if you just uh, put your hands out in front of you um just one last time lord we we receive eyes to see and ears to hear and we commit ourselves to going and speaking with you to to being discipled by you to to being led by you and how to grow a thriving and beautiful representation of the kingdom of god in our lives that we would have that we would be covered in good soil that every seed that you lay down in our lives would would grow would would thrive would produce fruit that reproduces itself lord we would just receive your guidance we receive your discipleship so that we can release the kingdom to the full measure that we've been called to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you much, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.